Hi everyone and welcome to Bootstrapping SaaS. I am Val Sopi and currently I'm running Blogstatic.io, a blogging and newsletter platform. In this show, I invite guests to talk about SaaS and sometimes I run solo with an update. On today's podcast, I am happy to welcome Alex Mathers, who in terms of profession is different from my regular guests on the show. I've been following Alex for quite some time, and I find that content that he puts out there is actionably beneficial. In other words, Alex's tweets and writings are not something up in the air. They're actual things you can start doing. Alex talks about productivity, writing, happiness, overall daily habits that make us better humans. Some of my most favorite uh, recent Alex's tweets are, uh, I have here, I want to read out to listeners. Uh, they're quite short. So one recent one says, stop creating content, start creating meaning. I like that one. And then another one says, uh, so many of us forget this when it gets hard. Slow down, make the next step smaller, be easy on yourself. You don't need to beat yourself into submission. Welcome to the show, Alex, and thanks for finding the time to hang out for the next half an hour or so. Thank you so much, Val. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Yeah, so um, on my most recent episodes, I have started asking my guests about who they are today because I believe that we change daily, yearly, monthly. So that's my first question to you. Who is Alex today? Mm, It's a good question. Who am I today? Yes. Well, I think it's a very appropriate question for certainly someone like me who is continually changing tracks in terms of who I want to be. You know, I'm, I'm always I'm always looking to refine that vision that I have in my own head about who I'm who I am today and who I'm becoming. So I'm always I'm always conscious of that. So it's an interesting question. And I guess it's it's relevant to see whether I'm on my, you know, on the ball in terms of knowing where I'm at with that. But um, it's all, it's always a little bit complicated, and I find it difficult mm-hmm. to put a label on anything. So I would say right now, certainly, you know, coaching and, and, and mentoring other people is definitely a big a big part of my life right now, and I'm enjoying it tremendously. And it's it's uh, it's such fun being able to speak to all kinds of different people around the world and and, and look into their businesses and their their lives and, and see see whether there's a way for us to collaborate and and and, and support them and connect with people, which is a very different um, position to be in compared to where I was, say, 10 years ago when I was working predominantly as an illustrator and kind of working behind mm-hmm. the scenes and everything was was behind a, a screen and there wasn't too much social interaction with that job. And that was like 10 years worth of that. So it's nice to kind of move now into a, a slightly different phase of my life involving a lot of a lot of conversation, a lot of learning about interesting people, um, you know, face to face almost through through Zoom. But um um, gives me the opportunity to to learn about and meet and connect with fascinating people. So that's a big part of what I do and who I am, I suppose. Um, I'm also just excited about where I'm at right now, just excited with the possibilities and the opportunities that present themselves on the web and with all mm-hmm. of this social media stuff that's opening us all up to connection. Obviously, there's, there are downsides, but there are so many positive sides. And this is this is opening up opportunities like, you know, running classes and teaching so a slightly different vein of work from the coaching um but also i'm really excited about the idea of of creating community um i've I've always done that to a certain degree through my writing my newsletters and my social media work but right now i'm excited about bringing particularly men together into a a community of of guys who get together and, and speak through various topics and issues and, 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 and other things that are, are of interest. Um, that's really exciting for me is just, is just building that and, and, and kind of enjoying being at the helm of that, of, of that project. Um, what else? So teaching, coaching, creating community is a big one. And, and, and I very much see myself as a writer. So writing is, I think, still my my number one obsession really it's it's um it's still a very big feature of my life and i i I love it tremendously so thank you yeah that's a that's a tough question and uh i found out about you through your writing on twitter you know yeah Uh, so i can see that that you know you're so dedicated to it one thing i didn't know uh, which you reminded me of before we started the show was that we first spoke in 2013 when you were running a newsletter and I had uh, purchased an ad on there 
And then you re reminded me that you were uh, doing illustration, which you just uh, mentioned right now. So I guess yeah. my follow-up question is, what led you to sort of drop that, if you did, to mm -hmm. where you are right now? Yeah, it's a good question. It's it's, it's funny because I, I, I looked you up on my emails and I, I wasn't expecting to see much because we've just been communicating through the Twitter DMs and I and, and mm -hmm. your name popped up as, in an email from from back in 2013. I just found that hilarious. And that was that wow. was back in the back in the day when I was I was running a, a website called Red Lemon Club. And it was a, it was a blog that was um, dedicated to helping other creatives um, promote themselves and, and be seen as, as um, you know, creatives and grow their businesses, that kind of thing. And that was a site that I'd set up in parallel to my illustration business, um, which I had kind of fallen into by accident when I was in my early 20s. I had, I had gotten interested in um, uh, creating and sharing illustrations for the web, um, selling illustrations, royalty-free, that kind of thing through uh, stock uh, photography sites. That attracted the attention of various clients and it sort of I gradually over time fell into that business and started taking on illustration clients because it just it just it just clicked it worked people seemed to be interested and I was actually making real money from it so it was a it was a nice kind of foray into that and I ended up doing that kind of work predominantly there were you know I was doing a little bit of writing here and there and other things but predominantly for a good uh, a good decade and what I found was that towards the end of that time, I, I found myself kind of in repetition mode in terms of the, the, the kinds of projects I was working on. And I found myself kind of banging my head against the wall a little bit in terms of um, just that the, the, the work satisfaction was a little bit limiting because I, I kept being asked by uh, various clients to do very similar types of projects. So mm -hmm. they mainly were kind of um, map style, bird's eye view, map illustrations and it was it was a lot of fun but I, I was just finding myself kind of a little bit feeling a little bit limited mm -hmm. so that put me into kind of soul searching mode a little bit towards the end of my 20s and having spent a few years writing this blog and finding a lot of satisfaction from it and being able to know that I was helping other people and other creatives I eventually transitioned into uh, doing more consulting work for for other creatives and illustrators, um, as a as a way to just enjoy that um, that sense of being involved in a in a craft that allowed a little bit more self growth and development and and movement uh, compared to the illustration stuff, which I just I, I found was a bit limiting. So, mm -hmm. so it kind of was prompted by, I guess, a, a sense of dissatisfaction around the illustration and moving into consulting, which has now has now morphed into what you might define as coaching for a, for a wider variety of people. Wow! Yeah, yeah, it's incredible to to learn that journey, and you know, I can see that. You know, I, I was doing actually back in the day sort of repetitive web design work. And the more you do that work, more clients want the same thing. And it just yeah. becomes, you know, very dull. And you feel like you're not, you know, as a creative, you're not really creating. You're just producing, you know, the same thing over and over again. Yeah. So, yeah, I can see that writing sort of maybe and coaching now uh, gives you more of that. So um, yep. uh, my next question is uh, a tweet that I noticed from you recently and had to do with uh, presenting in front of people mm -hmm. and how you bombed in front of 2000 people in, in uh -oh. Spain, if I'm not mistaken. Right. <laughs> That's correct. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I know a lot of my friends. I've had this for quite some time. Um, and then I took some acting classes, which helped me so, sort of towards becoming better at it. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm great at it, but sort of want to hear your story about that whole thing, like how how it led to that, and then how what are, what were the lessons that sort of, sort of helped you to get over that and become better? Yeah, okay. Um, so this was back in uh, maybe six or seven years ago, I think it was. Um, I'd been asked by someone who was, you know, by the organizer of the of the conference. And he, I think he had been seeing my stuff through Red Lemon Club and my other social media stuff. And he was interested in, in my thoughts on, you know, growing a business and, and self-promotion, that kind of stuff. And he wanted me to, to speak at his, his conference, which was a pretty big one, um, big design conference in Barcelona. And I basically, in the run up to it, just flat out ignored um, any preparation for it. And I think the reason for that was that it just came out of me 
not really wanting to think about it too much because I was basically terrified of the idea of getting on a big stage, which I hadn't really had any experience in. So I was like, oh, I just don't want to think about it. Don't want to think about it. Found <laughs> myself, you know, in the run up to the event, having to kind of, you know, slap myself back into reality and, and try and find a way to, um, you know, prepare as with the with the little amount of time that I had. <clears throat> Did so you have bit, something specific that you had to prepare? Or it was always free, sort of a freestyle thing. More of a freestyle thing. It was mm -hmm. really down down to you. There weren't really any guidelines on that. Oh, um, okay. And I, you know, I could have said, oh, he sh he should have prov provided those guidelines, but but of course, you know, I I should have really taken a little bit more responsibility on putting in the work. But it really goes to show how, I guess, just being being in your head, I I think, is the thing that um, sort of put me put me off just focusing on what needed to be focused on so yeah I basically that was a big contributing factor to getting up on stage and not doing anywhere near as good a job as I could have done but I think ultimately looking back now I think you know the big the big thing for me was just that I hadn't had much experience and it was a bit of a, a, a shock to the system to be Mm -hmm. um, standing behind a curtain and then the curtain revealing a, a crowd of 2000 people <laughs> to someone oh who hadn't, God. hadn't ever done that kind of thing before. Mm -hmm. So it was a combination of things. And I look back on it now with, uh, no longer do I have that sort of hollow feeling in my stomach that sort of lingered for the, for the next few weeks after that. Mm -hmm. I, I look, mm -hmm. I look on it as a really useful, very fortunate learning experience, um, that has, kind of instructed a lot of the you know the things that have happened to me after that point um in all areas of life it's just a case of i think not overthinking that mm -hmm. was that was a real point of learning around how um you know we can get in our own way and very little good comes out of overthinking overanalyzing being in our heads and that may very well have been a big, a big prompt behind why I got into um, mindset stuff and, and uh, understanding our thoughts and psychology from that point as well. Oh, wow. That's sort of like a milestone to you then. That, Quite that a big one. Single, yeah. Single event. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I had problems with, uh, you know, with, with getting up on stage and then I decided to take some acting classes. A friend of mine just suggested to me, you know, why don't you just get, you know, there's a bunch of different methods that loosen you up. And then one mm -hmm. acting coach had told me, he said, um, uh, you always feel you're looking worse than you actually are. Uh, people don't really think of you much when you're presenting, you know? So it's all in our head, like you said. Yeah. It's, you know, we're like, we're feeling like we look bad. We're going to die. And then you look at the camera, you're like, wow, I don't look that bad, you know? Yeah. I'm fine. So I think That's that has one. to go along with it. Yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. again, like it's a, it's it, you can be so self conscious. That's that's a big mm -hmm. thing. You know, like all the attention is on yourself. For, you know, in your own mind, and that that can really throw you off. So that's been yeah. another thing. Just understanding how you know if you want to if you want to be effective on a stage or you know in public, you want to do the opposite of what doesn't tend to work, which is to take away that self-consciousness and focus on you know the external that's been really big for me it's just like mm -hmm. stop stop obsessing about self and stop worrying about how i look and then turn turn it around and focus on how how i can help here how i can you know improve improve the lives of the people around me that's a big one yeah i guess focusing on the message you're trying to deliver basically yeah yeah you know, it sounds easy like we're saying it but maybe focusing on the technicality of it it's much much more helpful that could be a good, a good one. It depends what kind of work you're doing. I guess acting is a little bit different to you know, delivering a speech, but yes. Um, yeah. Right. So focusing on the technicality that might sound like over analytical, but actually it's probably a good thing because you're, again, you're out of your head. You're not thinking about yourself and that's what tends to throw people off, including myself. And mm -hmm. that's, I didn't get to the, to the, the end point of the story, but it, you know, that's, that's what led to me. I mean, I, I say that I bombed on stage, but I, I I imagine as you described it, it probably didn't look as bad as it did to me mm -hmm, <laughs> by mm -hmm. the by the audience. But um, yeah, it wasn't fantastic, but um, a good learning experience anyway. Yeah, yeah, cool, man. And you know, your your Twitter content is always original. Um, like I, I see you're putting out new content, which is very meaningful. It's helpful, and. Mm. 
I was curious, how do you do that? Like, is it, is it, you know, you write constantly or do you read or how, how do you get inspired to put out that content? Is it something deliberate or something that comes to you? Well, I have spent a good, I think, decade, like over a decade now contributing to platforms like Twitter. Mm -hmm. so, certainly Twitter has been one of the, the, um, the most consistent places that I've been. And I have seen, you know, I've seen the opportunities and I've seen the benefits and the good things and the, and the, and the connections and, and, and the synergy that's come out of being active and being consistent on a place like Twitter. You know, I've seen proof of it working, so to speak. And it might not mm -hmm. seem that way to a lot of people who dip in and out, right, and don't see the fruits of the accumulated effort over a long stretch. Um, and I think I'm just a little bit crazy. And that's probably why I've <laughs> decided to stay on it for such a long time. And I've had long phases on Twitter, for example, where it just nothing was happening. So it's mm -hmm. not to say that it's all it's all sunshine and rainbows. But I've seen a lot of good things come out of it clients and, and you know, interviews and friendships and all kinds of stuff. So it's been um, very obvious to me in terms of the purpose behind doing it and getting up every day and writing a few tweets in the morning, why I do it. Do, do, is it deliberate? Like, do you, like, does it come to you? Like, oh, I have this thought, I really have to put it out. Or it's more like a planned thing. Like, because, you know, like I'm going back to the originality of it. Like, is it yeah. something, you know, is it because of yeah, your constantly it's writing? It's a great question. Cause it, I think it really speaks to the power of receiving insights by mm. your own, you know, your inner wisdom, whatever it is that mm. comes out of, I think it's, a, you're basically through showing up every day and through writing, even if you start off doing it badly, there's something that clicks after a while, after you've done it, after you've checked into Twitter, you know, a few mm. weeks in a row, something, something clicks in your mind and you start to find yourself getting these insights in random places, right? So I have my my iPhone as a notebook and I write down whatever comes to mind. So I'm basically spending the whole day now thinking in, you know, tweets. <laughs> mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. tweets are coming up all the time. Um, so that's definitely helpful. I, I don't know whether that's a symptom of being a little bit too obsessive around it. I think you could probably be <laughs> slightly less obsessed than I am. But I think when you are consistent with something, you'll tend to be rewarded with creative insight. So a lot of the tweets that, that I come up with through the day is just a kind of reflection of my built up notes that are added to as I come up with new ideas. And sometimes I have to force it as well. So it's not just, you know, incredible insight. A lot of the time, mm -hmm. it's me, me sitting down and saying, I want to keep this up. I want to, you know, it's not a huge deal, because it's a short tweet. Um, and I'll, I'll sit down and I'll, you know, free write for a bit and, and see what comes up. And Sometimes I'll get good ideas through the free writing process. Yeah, like the, you know, sort of showing up, I guess, basically. Yeah. Um, and having exactly. the action lead into motivation and inspiration and just not just waiting for it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, pretty cool, man. Um, what are some of the benefits? Uh, I know you tweeted about this a while back also. What are some of the benefits of writing? And not not in the sort of sense of, uh, creating something that sells or something that you're promoting, but sort of like personal, like what is, what is writing? What has it done to you? Mm -hmm. It's been one of the best things that I could have included in my, in my life really, in terms of self growth, self awareness, self development. Um, yeah, there's there's the internal stuff and then there's there's external benefits as well. So as you say, sales and things like that is certainly on the side of the external. There are other mm -hmm. great things around putting your writing out there that are, that are external, like, you know, creating an audience and building friendships and developing connections with people and developing connections with people like you and all, all of that good stuff. Um, but on the other side of it, yeah, there's, as I, as I say, through writing consistently, uh, you start to learn about the power of creative insight. I guess that's a big one for me in, in, in that if you can kind of demonstrate to the world reality, I don't know, the universe, whatever, that you are committed to, you know, the, the act of writing regularly, the act of creating essentially. It's like it's by writing every day. It's like you're sending out, it's like you're transmitting a message out. Mm -hmm. 
that you are a creator, that you are in the the game of daily creation. And and I have found that process extremely fascinating in terms of how you are rewarded by that commitment through ideas. And I've always I've seen this. If I if I stop writing for a while, I I lose my creative juice just sort of uh peters out you could say mm-hmm. so writing's been great for that writing's been great for learning about how the mind works so that um i, I it's really shown how by being in the creative act you are opening up your mind to new ideas and i think that's really interesting because it can be transferred across to anything whether mm-hmm. it be sports or being in the gym going for a walk all that stuff is essentially the same kind of thing you're in a, you're doing a creative act you're not overthinking you are creating an environment where thoughts begin to settle and interesting insights come up through the the spaces you could say between yeah. those thoughts and how do you how do you write like is it is it fiction is it personal stuff is it just whatever comes to mind like how does how does one start writing if they never wrote before I would say it starts with being willing to write frequently. I think that's the that's the foundation is just a willingness to commit to writing as a habit. Because what you know, if if the habit isn't there, and if you're not seeing the value of a habit off the bat, then <clears throat> you're going to have all kinds of excuses come up. You know, before starting writing that'll mm-hmm. continue that'll continually put you off doing it so the habit commitment is key because that gets you into showing up at the door every day at the desk and that puts you in the position of someone who's willing to write no matter what comes out and it, it can be really poor stuff initially and that's fine I think people need to be okay with that. Um, no matter what sort of writing you want to do, whether it's fiction or whatever. I mean, I, I tend to, I mean, I don't write that much. It's just, it's just frequent. So mm-hmm. it can be just sitting down for 10 minutes and just write scribbling some notes in a, in, in the iPhone app, just ideas on um, tweets, or it can be, I love tweets because tweets kind of require lesser, time and energy than say an article so it's a it's mm-hmm. a it's a kind of lower barrier to entry um and um yeah i think it's just a case of being willing to first of all show up and then second secondary um being okay that it's not going to be perfect initially like it's okay to write crap for the first few minutes or the even the first few months or years like mm-hmm. like was the case with me um it can it doesn't have to be brilliant writing because that can put us in our heads again and we want to we want to get out of our heads and we want to write like the best writing will come when you're not thinking about it too much so yeah. habit first yeah yeah i guess the consistency sort of gets you into the place where you don't care you know but that's it the good stuff comes out um, yeah yeah pretty cool uh switching gears a bit um, mm-hmm. Another tweet of yours, it was about social anxiety and, you know, you, how you've dealt with it in the past. And I've had social anxiety, still have it. And mm-hmm. I read one of your tweets where you tried different things. Um, uh, 12 life-changing things I learned doing goofy confidence drills in public. And I read some right. of those and I couldn't picture myself doing those at all. <laughs> uh, how did you, you know, put yourself in that position? Like, was it, was it like, it, for me, it would be like equal to... I don't know what to compare it to, but you know, I don't have as much fear now, public speaking, yeah. but talking in public or just going up to someone, even asking someone to take a photo of, of uh, me or my family, it's like super hard for me. How did mm-hmm. you get yourself sort of in that position to do those? Well, I think what prompted me to do something like that was similar to your decision behind going into acting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that improvements can be made in that, in that area of life that, that, you know, it's like, it's, I see it as a muscle, you know, and, and it can be very easy, especially if you're introverted to find reasons to avoid exercising the muscle of 
social interaction. Um, and I found myself with that muscle very inactively used, I, I would say, by my 20s. And partly that, but also um, I had allowed my thought patterns to kind of run amok. And, and it, mean, it meant that I was unnecessarily anxious about stuff that didn't need to terrify me, which is basically how anxiety works. Um, it's not, not, it's not a kind of, I mean, it's debatable, but I, I think most of the source of anxiety comes from our, um, self-conscious thinking and mm. our thinking that other people, for example, are a source of stress for us. Um, other people's rejection is a very bad thing. That's another kind of limiting belief you could say around why people are socially anxious. Mm -hmm. um, and so I very, I had a lot of that thinking going on. So, so that's, I mean, I'm kind of looking back now at that time. I didn't really see it as much as I do now at the time, but, but I, I can see now that it, a lot of, a lot of the suffering was around just overthinking stuff again. So mm -hmm. very similar to worrying about the public speaking thing and all that stuff, you know, it's just can be very, very limiting when we overthink. Um, yeah. so your, your, your question was, how did I get into, how did I, what made me choose the, the, um, how did you put yourself into sort of yeah. position? Like, how did you prime yourself? Well, I think initially it was just a, it was like, I got to a point where I was just sick and tired of being right. anxious all the time. So mm -hmm. that was a big prompt for me. Um, and I'm, I've always been keen on doing things better and being better and improve, improving. So for me, it was a no brainer to especially after having struggled for such a long time. I mean, part of the reason I struggled was because I'm so uh, perfectionist about stuff. Like I want things to go well. And because I want, I want, you know, how I interact with people to go well, that's why mm -hmm. I tend to get anxious. So yeah, I just realized that something like getting myself out there and talking to people, I think the penny dropped for me when I realized that I just needed to practice my social skills, especially in environments where I felt a little bit awkward um, it wasn't a very appealing prospect, but I knew that it was going to be good for my social muscle. Um, and I could have done other things. I could have, I could have signed up for Toastmasters and that kind of thing. But I, I found the idea of creating my own desensitization program quite interesting because it allowed me to, in gradual incremental steps, increase the so-called kind of intensity of the interaction right so you could start mm -hmm. off for example i created my own program so you would start off by doing um not particularly scary things but they might be enough to raise the heart rate a little bit like asking somebody for the time right something mm -hmm. fairly basic and fairly non-intrusive because i think social anxiety tends to raise the more we fear that we're going to be rejected so um, asking somebody the time is, is a pretty socially acceptable thing to do, right? So, so it's not going to cause as much fear. So the program consisted of simpler tasks like that and then moving up gradually into other tasks. Like um, I, I remember finding myself singing the ABCs to somebody and <laughs> <laughs> um, somebody who just walked out of a bank and I ended up just, just literally singing the entire ABCs. Obviously very cringe and a lot of people what was their reaction? why would you do that <laughs> yeah like did um, you did you prepare them that you're gonna do that or you just went on and i did it i had i had them written down i had like a plan okay. for what the tasks would be and i i just saw it as as a kind of it's like a gym for your social mm -hmm. mind you could say you know the the city at, at the you know the city of london at the time i saw as my social gym um and yeah, it was very helpful. I mean, it wasn't easy, but that that helped. But I mean, even even if you you know if you, if you do that and then you stop doing it for a few years, you might find yourself back in overthinking mode mm -hmm. again. So it's it's an example of many things that you can do. I'm not saying that if you have social anxiety, you, would, right. you need to do that, but it's it's one interesting option, and it really speaks to what the solution is, which is to do things that you feel a little bit awkward about so that you can basically demonstrate to yourself that, you know, you're not going to die, 
and, right. <laughs> right, and you can handle it and, and everything's okay once it's finished and you start to develop a new belief. And that's what you're trying to do ultimately is shifting your own thoughts about who you are and you know your place in the world and how things work. And it's like, actually, this stuff isn't all that scary. Yeah. I guess my, my biggest problem in that department is I guess I feel, you know, usually when I'm in a social setting and uh, maybe I want to interact with a stranger or even at some event or conference before the pandemic, it's sort of mm. that uh, in, in true, like for sort of feeling that I'm sort of going into their space and they don't want to be bothered, like that yeah. feeling that I might be bothering them, you know, yeah. that's sort of like thing that I would like to just, you know, snatch out of me. And I've mm. never been able to do that, like to this day, so... Yeah. Well, you're describing, you know, what you're describing is a very normal human fear. And I, I, I would be surprised if there was any single member of this, you know, planet that, <laughs> that didn't have that, that right. struggle to some degree. Um, it's normal, especially being around strangers. I think it's, you know, going back millions of years to find yourself in a in the company of complete strangers was quite unusual for humans for many thousands of years. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of partly built into us biologically, but it's, it's also something that can be, um, you know, you can nurture a peace around it. And I think, yeah, you, you said it well, you know, you have this, it's very easy to feel like you're entering someone's, um, you know, personal space and you don't want to bother them. Um, and I, I think the reason we feel that is I think it comes out of <clears throat> ultimately not wanting to be rejected by that person. That's mm -hmm. like, that's the kind of the core concern. We have this fear that we're going to be rejected. Like the, the, the idea of rejection in the mind of a man is very frightening because rejection in, you know, again, many, many years ago would have meant being killed. <laughs> perhaps right. That's part of it. But ultimately, it's just it's just overthinking again. And and what's been really helpful for me is realizing that the thing we think is at risk of being hurt by rejection, i.e., self-esteem, you know, self-worth. Mm -hmm. We all walk on eggshells in the fear that we're going to have our self-worth. Um, impacted negatively like we're going to have we're going to lower our self-esteem that's what people i think are worried about and what really helped me was realizing that there is no such thing as self-esteem it's just an idea it's just basically an illusion there's no can you elaborate no on that yeah um well what what does self-esteem mean to you i guess um wanting others to think of me as good as I think of myself, if I, yeah. Okay. If I, yeah, something along those lines. Nice. And you're describing essentially an idea, right? Yes. So who are you, you know, behind the idea, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's really what I'm getting at is that all of this stuff around self-worth and self-esteem and, and personal value, all, all that kind of stuff. When you really look at it, it's just um, a collection of thoughts, just a collection of ideas that we have around who we, who we are and who we think we are. And because it's an idea, it's essentially an illusion. There is, there is no basing any of our thinking on anything real because the thought isn't real, mm -hmm. which which then goes to show that if there's no self-esteem, if self-esteem is just something that we make up in our own minds, then there's nothing to lose if faced with potential social danger, for example. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? There's, there's nothing to protect, there's nothing to lose anymore when you realize that it's just all made up stuff. Yeah, I guess ego protecting itself in a way. Yeah. I guess, yeah. No, Ego that makes sense. Protecting yeah. what? <laughs> that idea that it created of itself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is right? kind of not real. It's ego right. creates, you know, a lot of our struggle because it's creating um, mm -hmm. just an idea. 
So that's been really interesting to me. And that's been the basis of a lot of my thinking and writing since sort of realizing all that stuff. Um, but that you can see the power of just like how that one idea can shift a lot. Like if you truly got it mm -hmm. in your soul that there is actually, there isn't really a you. The only you there is, is, is a sort of physical form, but there is no, there's no, there's no real tangible worth. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's great. It's not, that's not to demean any of us. Because the worth, the worth is in, well, that's when we get into the spiritual stuff. Okay. Which is more about what we put out, is it? Or like, how would you describe that part? I would, I would say it's whatever's left when you take um, judgment away and all of those things. Thinking, judgment. Mm -hmm. Um, human made constructs, all of that ideas, um, criticisms, ego, when, when all of that is gone, then, then we might be looking at something that looks a bit more in the spiritual realm. And by spiritual, I'm, I'm talking about the energy that's, that's kind of running behind everything else. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so in that, yeah. In that sort of uh, sort of same line of things, um, I had a question here, which sort of ties in: uh, Is happiness an emotion or an action to you? Um, I would have maybe five, six years ago said that happiness was uh, an emotion. Mm -hmm. I think that's how it appears to most people. It's like I feel happy, um, so it sounds like an emotion. But I have changed my point of view on that and i now see action uh happiness very much as a choice an action yes mm -hmm. um what do i mean by that happiness comes from um within right so it's it's about seeing that actually this is this is getting deep but it's interesting no <laughs> go ahead man i mean there's no there's no yeah. rules to this episode at all. Of course, of course. So, um, I think it was certainly for me when I started seeing how um, things external to you, whether it be a new sports car or a, um, a successful business or a relationship, um, all of that stuff, it looks like it can cause happiness. Or whatever you want to define happiness as it looks as though making tons of money will make you happy but if you operate on that um as a general rule of life you're going to be very unhappy and the reason for that is because you're making happiness uh your happiness is conditional on your surroundings <clears throat> on external so, yeah so that means that you have zero control and you're essentially a victim walking through life, hoping that things will be a certain way to be happy. Mm -hmm. So that was huge for me when I realized that. Um, it meant that I no longer needed to seek happiness in external things. Obviously, it doesn't stop me from building businesses and having fun in the world, but my happiness is not derived from that. It's, it's from just deciding in the moment to be happy. And that's a big difference. And is there a way to cultivate it since it's something that we choose? Like what are some of the ways to do that? It's more about what I've seen. It's more about realizing that it's always there. Like it's, it's a default. Uh -huh. It's a default. It's, it's, it's about taking stuff away and seeing it as opposed to trying to do anything differently to cultivate it. So it's going back certain, like in a way to the essentials rather than adding yeah. stuff to it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'd say so. Wow. Interesting. Well, it's, yeah. it's, it's incredibly relieving. If you really spend some time with that thought that there is nothing you need to do to be happy. Um, that's a huge relief. So like, um, what you mean? I don't need to 
work 300 hours a week to, to be mm -hmm. happy. I no, you don't need to. You can if you like, if you want to do that, but you don't need to do it to be happy. You're already okay. Um, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, definitely deep thoughts, you know, like something that, you know, we can go on, on and on about that, you know, what these things are, you know, the things yeah. that we manifest or, you know, things that we artificially create in our daily lives, thinking that they'll bring us to something, I don't know, we're chasing. Um, exactly. And I, I remember you talking about, you know, being silent, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, on our daily life, sort of. Um, uh, what are some of the ways to sort of do that? you know, deliberately. I'm trying to think of the context in which I might have said that. I think more in terms of, um, you know, I guess what we talked about, just, you know, about happiness, about social anxiety, like how to not do anything, you know, like I know oh, okay. we talk a lot, a lot about that and it sounds very simple, but how do you get in a place where you're not giving it too much energy to be silent? You're just silent, you know, like what are right. some of the ways... Well, it doesn't need to involve silence as we know it. I mean, it doesn't necessarily need to mean that you walk around not saying anything and literally mm -hmm. sitting in a dark room. And because again, that's that's it means that your peace is conditional again. So it's kind of like an absence of needing to do anything, <laughs> feeling the need to mm -hmm. do anything, whether including silence. So, so my, my answer to that would be, well, it's about where you put your attention. If you're, if your attention is on trying to be happy, then you're going to be miserable. But if your attention is on building a business and having fun doing that, then you'll find yourself automatically just enjoying, enjoying it. Cause you're just being who you are without finding, without late without laying on the pressure of needing to be happy as well. Mm -hmm. So I'd say it's, it's about being willing to let go of the need to chase whatever looks like happiness to you. It's more about just playing your way through life um, and enjoying, enjoying the process, no matter what happens. <clears throat> okay and uh together i guess with uh luck and you know like happiness and silence and you know having a business that you're happy about running yep. where do you think luck stands in all of that like how do you think it's something that happens to us that we sort of see it are aware of it more some of us more than others it's something that happens to us something yeah. that we can create like what what are your thoughts on, on luck in general Great in question. terms of business, I guess. Yeah. That's a really fascinating one. Because luck, I mean, makes me think about what luck is. Right? Like, what is luck? Luck isn't something that you can hold. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, luck is, is, I think you'd agree, is a very subjective term. Right? Some, someone might say, oh, you're so lucky. Mm -hmm. and the next the next person might not see that i guess right mm -hmm. totally. so so for example somebody see you know you you're you're in london and you walk past somebody who has you know is wearing a suit and is looks very well to do and is um looks looks wealthy and you might be with a friend that says oh he's so lucky I wish I was, I wish I was like that guy. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then you might think to yourself, well, I was, I was in the corporate world for 12 years and I hated it and I didn't find it particularly fulfilling. Um, he does not look, he doesn't strike me as lucky. He strikes me as, I don't know, kind of imprisoned. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, mm -hmm. so it's kind of, it depends on who's seeing it. <clears throat> well, let's say, Let's say in terms of, um, how do I put this? So I have a business and uh, it's going okay. And I want it to be better. 
and yeah. I want to get lucky as well. I don't want to be grinding forever. I want to have a few lucky breaks. Right. So I guess my question, my specific question is, is there a way in your opinion to put yourself in a position where you can get more lucky and it doesn't have to do with working harder? Right. Or is it just something that sometimes happens and sometimes it doesn't? If that makes any sense, that question. Yeah. It's a good question. <laughs> um, I think it, I think it's interesting to look at the dis distinction between luck, lucky as a personality trait, as a as a as a symptom of who you are, versus mm -hmm. um, lucky <clears throat> as a symptom of how you're doing things. There are like two sides to it. You might say, "Oh, he's he's just a lucky. He's born lucky." He's a, he has a lucky personality. He's, and you might and you might get worried that you're not a lucky person, mm -hmm. and you and you'll think, "Oh, I'm just life is just unfair to me because I'm I don't know for some reason I'm just an unlucky person." And that's that's a story you're telling yourself, which is basically a limiting belief that's absolutely going to stop you from being lucky. On the other hand, you've got you've got the um, the side of luck that I think is simple of how you do things no matter who uh, forget personality for now forget your story forget your history none of that matters what I what I what I see important with creating luck and seeing luck as like just having more success I guess right that we could both agree sure. that that's the kind of luck mm -hmm. you're looking for um for me, it's it's definitely about the system side of things, as opposed to the personality side. So, on the system side, an example of things that you can do to be more lucky, be more successful, are getting yourself in positions, situations that are, that creates uh, connections, that create synergies, create kind of collaborations, right? People getting in front of other people who can help each other out, can make deals. Mm -hmm. It's a very logistical thing. It's not a, it's not a personality thing. It's not even a spiritual thing. It's just getting yourself in positions, places where opportunities are more likely to, to happen. So for example, and you won't like to hear this on the doing lots of work front, but somebody, for example, who's, sharing a ton of stuff through social media versus somebody who doesn't is in very practical terms, opening themselves up to more opportunities, I would say, because more people are going to see the tweets and more people like me getting onto this podcast, I imagine has something to do with the tweets that you saw. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so right. I've been very lucky in that sense, right? Cause I, I have put something out into the world that, that was seen mm -hmm. at the right time by you. So I, I could I could argue that that was really lucky to have been exposed to to Val and mm -hmm. your your podcast, which could open up other opportunities. So so there's that there's the system side and there's you know doing things that get you in front of opportunity and and um, possibilities. Now you you talked about wanting to ideally do that with less work and not getting burnt out because it's very easy to to do what a lot of people do and they say to themselves okay i want to i want more success more luck so i'm going to do you know 10x everything right mm -hmm. <laughs> and just end up burning themselves out and that's that's uh, that happens so i'm sure you already kind of know the answer to this but i would say working smart then is is the next level in that right so you can still you still want to be getting yourself in front of the right kinds of people and create connections that that can work for you but you can do it with greater leverage potentially maybe you can you can do it by working smarter by getting more uh juice for your squeeze <clears throat> that makes sense it does. It does. You know, one bit that I liked a lot that you said was, you know, just sort of opening yourself up 
to opportunities. Sort of yeah. that comparing it to that person who puts out tweets about something they're involved in and then somebody else seeing those, you know, that's sort of luck. You're sort of yeah. positioning yourself to those opportunities. So exactly. I really yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very cool. We've gotten some deep stuff in the last couple of we questions. That's <laughs> that, pretty cool. That can happen when you talk to me. It kind of goes I like deep it. sometimes. No, I love it, man. This is great, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, so uh, another thing that I wanted to ask you about is I know that you mentioned coaching and yeah. you also have um, Untethered Men. That's the other thing that, you know, another Twitter profile, the community part mm -hmm. of your coaching. Uh, I wanted to hear more about that. Like, wh what is that? What does that entail? What is it that you're doing? If you can share. Yeah, this, a bit. Uh, the Untethered Man side of things is a relatively new foray into something slightly different that I'm working on in parallel. And it's, mm -hmm. I think it's probably too early to, to be able to confidently say that this is going to happen exactly as, as I plan and envision it. Cause I just, I don't really know. So it's kind of a bit, it's a bit of an experimental project right now. So I've got this, this secondary Twitter account, for example, with the untethered man brand on it. It was started mm -hmm. in response to my interest in getting men together in, in, in a community. And I think, I think there's a need for that. I think there's a lot of guys who find themselves very isolated and are unable mm -hmm. to really get off um, their chests, what they really want to say, um, especially in a group of like-minded guys and, you know, a sort of a private space. So the Twitter channel was in response to wanting to create some, something of a community around that. So I could gather some guys together and, I'm I'm now not so sure whether um, I'm going to continue that that channel because even though it's done well and it's growing quite well, I might still do it. I'm still kind of a little bit up in the air on it because mm -hmm. I, I know that I want to create this community. That's that's one commitment in my life that I want to honor and, and things are happening. So I've got um, discussion groups that are happening every week and I'm getting guys together and we're joining this uh, this circle community. So things are happening on that front. I just, I don't know whether I need Twitter to, to organically grow that community. I think oh, I'm actually okay without, without the, uh, the channel and the extra work. So I'm still, still going ahead with the untethered man community. And that's a really exciting project. Um, I've got a, I've got a telegram group that I set up, but I, I think even that I'm not, not so sure I need anymore. I think it's just going to be more of an organic growth thing. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And what is that like? What is that? Um, I, I know you mentioned some of the things, but I guess my question would be my specific question, sort of like from talking to this man and having this group. What are men getting wrong, you know, today, in your opinion? Like, what are they doing wrong in their daily habits and uh -oh. daily life? I guess in general, a ton of. A ton of <laughs> I hope I say the right thing here. No pressure. It's okay. Don't worry about so it. So, men, what are you guys doing? getting wrong? Dang it. Well. <laughs> um, I know we are. Think, All of us are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everyone's obviously different, but I think I think a big one is just um, having trouble, you know, a finding an environment where they can sort of relax enough to be able to share what's on their minds and just just get get stuff out, um, you know, and b being willing to share challenges, um, and to be able to have the opportunity to have that. I think it's I, I see it as a luxury these days to 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 have. To be able to just connect with other with other guy, other other men, mm -hmm. and and just say what's on your mind and have have that be shared in a, in a judgment free zone. I think that can be a very cathartic experience that I think a lot of men um, uh, need. And there's a lot of uh, you know mental struggle and suffering and stress going on in the world that I can see, and I've seen it in myself, obviously. And I I just it feels right for me to be able to create this um i kind of see it as an oasis potentially in a way but it's it's an opportunity for guys to to um address issues that they might otherwise hold back in sharing you know even to themselves mm -hmm. let, let alone you know partners and things like that and i think more than anything i'm just intrigued at the idea of the project it's an experimental thing i want to i want to see how things progress because I, I i can't say that I know exactly what, where the needs are and exactly what needs to be done. But I know that I want to create this, this, uh, mm -hmm. uh, community and I've, 
I, I can I definitely feel just in myself the need to feel like I'm part of a um, just a, a sort of a tribe. I know tribes are a bit of a politically incorrect word these days, but a, but a community of guys who can Is support each other. I guess I'm not for, is it already i'm saying i, I i'm not following yeah. anymore like you know the, so. another word that we're not allowed to say okay. okay i don't know i i that that word resonates the most with me it's it's a bit more of a sort of a primal idea you know being able to just <clears throat> be be guys with other guys and and mm -hmm. um you know not feel as if we're, we're not able to say certain things which which can be an, another issue you know just 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 now in this call we've been coming up to coming up with um, not being able to say certain things, so so that's another mm -hmm. aspect of it. Just just having a an environment where men can feel relaxed enough to be able to share without feeling that there's any consequences to it. Mm -hmm. well, that makes sense. I, you know, like you mentioned the isolation part, and I I know that from you know for a fact from my own life, yeah. and I see that you know with my wife. My wife is more outgoing. She has more friends, uh, girlfriends that she shares everything about everything. Yeah. And we're men, we're sort of like more closed up. Uh, I can talk for myself. Mm -hmm. I have a couple of friends that we hang out. And then just recently, I started doing more of that. Sort mm -hmm. of, you know, getting a couple of guy friends that I have, getting away for the weekend, just being with other friends, like guy friends. And it's been like life-changing for me, honestly. Yeah. I haven't done that as much. I've done it growing up a lot. Um, but when I got once I got married, I got, you know, caught up in having kids and, and being yeah. a husband, being a good husband and whatnot. And then, you know, I sort of forgot about that part of myself. Hmm. And then circa 2020, um, I had a lot of problems, personal problems. And then I got into talking to a counselor, sort of like a therapy. And then that person encouraged me to do more of that. And I've been doing that since like maybe a year or so ago. Yeah. And the reason I'm mentioning it, just sort of like maybe it inspires other people to either join your community or maybe get grabbing like uh, their guy friends and hanging out more with them, like on regular basis, like once a month going camping, like for two days or whatnot. And it's been yeah. honestly, for me, it's been like just going back to back to my roots of how I grew up. And because of that, I'm, I'm a better, better parent, better husband, you know, exactly. Uh, I care less about things around me when I sort of have that, I guess, yeah. release sort of environment, you know? So yeah. yeah, totally. I think you're doing a great thing. You know, like I, I guess the, sort of the brand untethered man as i'm understanding might not you're not sure what you're going to do with it but you're sort of committed to going yeah. through with being part of this sort of thing that you yeah i think i think the, i think the name i'm happy with um mm -hmm. i think it's just around that like the logistics of how it's going to be run effectively i'm not sure about like whether i'm mm -hmm. letting people know about it through social media or if it's more of an organic thing i'm not sure about any of that stuff yet but i know i know that this is going to be happening i know that this is going to be a, a growing group and i know that mm -hmm. getting guys together in you know potentially smaller groups bigger groups is is going to be valuable for a lot of a lot of guys not everyone um but i think as you say certainly guys who are you know maybe a little bit further along the line and they they haven't got as many friends as they did back in you know early 20s time and and, mm -hmm. and um you know they've been through a stressful career and that kind of stuff and they they want to Bit of a change or whatever whatever it is that they need at whichever point that they're in um i can right. certainly see the value in myself in in wanting to connect more and just be able to to do that in a relaxed environment and it doesn't necessarily have to be in a a noisy pub you know with a drink it can be just right. just a, a quiet chat which is quite a rare thing to be able to enjoy um so i'm i'm excited about it yeah i think it's going to be going to be valuable that is awesome man uh, I like to keep these shows under the hour, like uh, because people get bored easily sure. when they when they listen. I would so love to continue and talk more, but um, uh, I don't know if you ha had any other thing to maybe add. Something I forgot to ask you. I certainly would love to know where people can find you, uh, more about what you're writing or you know your personality online, etc. So you know, yeah, anything. Well, I'm going to keep it simple, and I would encourage anyone who's interested in hearing more to follow me at I am Alex Mathers, M-A-T-H-E-R-S. That's my basic home on the web. I've also got my my website, alexmathers.net. And yeah, reach out to me if you want to talk further on anything that you found interesting in this call. Um, I'm always happy to 
to hear from you guys and, and connect. So, so those are the two main, main channels for that. Awesome. Thanks so much, Alex, for finding the time again. It's been a pleasure talking to you and just following you online all this time. And, you know, hope to catch up again in a couple of months or so. We will, man, for sure. And thank you for um, hosting the show. You've done a, a fantastic job. Really enjoyed that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right, Alex. Talk soon then. Talk soon.